Hello, friends. Do you still have little ones in your home with you? Or do you have friends who are still in the season of having little busy hands and feet all over their house? Well, either way, I am so glad you are here because we are going to be talking about something that is so beautiful and near and dear to my heart, which is how to learn gently with children during the early years. So often learning can become this forceful thing or something that we feel a burden on ourselves as the moms to have to begin teaching. It's time for me to start teaching them things. Whereas I think by the end of this conversation today, you'll be very, very encouraged in seeing that you have been teaching them for so long already and that you are equipped and you are capable And at the times that you're not, God is so good to be our strength when we are weak. So let me introduce you to our guest for today. She's so sweet. You're going to love her. Her name is Katie Klein, and she is a mama of three kids. They are two, four, and six. And I asked her here for this conversation because she has shared on her Instagram feed so beautifully how she tenderly teaches her children and walks alongside them with intentional learning, but in such a beautiful way. And I'm really excited for you to get to hear from her today to hear how she does that and why and what it looks like in her home. I know it's going to inspire you. So you're going to want to follow her. You can find her on her blog, which is littlehouseinthenorthwoods.com. Or you can find her on her Instagram, which is at littlehouse underscore northwoods. And you will just enjoy following her along um, her life as she does early education with her young children. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so glad you can join us today. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Seek Holy Living podcast with Christus Faboda. I am a wife to my wonderful husband mom to my five precious children, and a friend to some amazing moms that I can't wait to introduce to you. Mothering is not a journey meant to be traveled alone. Join me every Monday for a new podcast where you will find hope, joy, and purpose. Well, Katie, thank you so much for being here with me today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I feel really honored to be asked to talk about this topic with you today. And it's such an important one, the idea of a gentle way of learning with young children. I have loved following you on Instagram and seeing the way that you just tenderly teach your children and naturally bring in topics of learning with them that I think so often we force things with young children and you do it in such a beautiful, beautiful way. Thank you. That's so kind of you to say. Oh, so I'm excited to talk about this. So let's just start off for anyone who does not follow you and has not seen your home. Can you kind of give us a glimpse of what a more gentle way of learning with preschoolers or young children, what it looks like in your house? Yeah, so I have three kids. They're two, four and six, and we have done preschool in our first year of preschool. I started really early and it looked really different than it does now. And in this year for my middle, this will be her first year in preschool. And we're focusing on four, I like to call it my four pillars of preschool. Um, so that would be, we are focusing on lots of time outside on reading lots of living books together, um, of working on habits of like attention, obedience, 
and truthfulness. And then we were working on like habits of learning and chores and skills around that, like just living skills around the house. And then um, we are kind of delaying that formal education, which is what you see in oftentimes a more traditional preschool. Um, so we are doing a lot of play-based academics and a lot of academics that I would like to say is like, by the way. Um, and so we're just doing, yeah, pursuing a really gentle, playful preschool with her. Mm, that's so fun. Okay. So with that, let's go back to a couple of things you said that yeah. I know what you're talking about because I have done things very similarly, <laughs> but I think, I think some other moms might be like, wait, what? Okay. Living books. What yes. is a living book? So I've learned a lot about this as I've, you know, pursued, um, just researching more about education and really finding Charlotte Mason, who is a huge um, proponent for living books. Living books would be, um, I like to say like a book with a heartbeat books that really impact you books that you can walk away and you're like, wow, that really was transformative. It was, um, had a great storyline, good character development um, that doesn't talk down to a child, but um, treats the child as like a whole person mm. that has like intellect and is able to engage with a worthy, beautiful idea. Um, so it's not this like Disney twaddly, she calls it twaddle, um, <laughs> where it's so much text, so much, um, like, I think as a parent, you can really tell the difference. Like if you go and check out, you know, 10 books from the library. Um, I think when you read them out loud, you're going to know which ones are twaddle and which ones mm -hmm. are these more rich living books. Um, I first encountered the idea primarily through Charlotte Mason and then through Ampleside Online, um, which is the curriculum that we use for my oldest. Um, they have a great um, book list for kids who are under the age of six. And we, we started there and read a lot of those books. And I feel like that really helped me have like those glasses on for what being able to see a living book. Um, mm -hmm. and now it feels kind of second nature, but that's, that's the living books that we read in our home. That's great. And you know what, I'll link some different resources. I think about Ambleside online is a wonderful resource for <clears throat> good, rich literature that when reading books to little children, I think sometimes there's, uh, assumption that all books are created equal, you know, Oh, we read mm -hmm. six books today, but I feel, I believe as I hear in you too, I would rather read one rich book than read six books that are shallow, um, mm -hmm. or don't have, don't have meaning. And not that there isn't space for fun, light books. Cause we certainly read light, enjoyable books. And I think that the living books can be enjoyable too, though, and are enjoyable. I would even argue more enjoyable, more enjoyable. Yeah. once you, once you get into them and truly taste it. Um, and I think I grew up also, actually, I grew up homeschooling and mm -hmm. we did a lot of living books. We use a lot of the, um, book lists from beautiful feet is mm -hmm. another one that they have excellent, excellent book lists. Anything they recommend is yes. a quality living book that most of the time it's, it's learning through stories often mm -hmm. that makes it come alive and it makes the content come alive. I've always thought yeah. about that with living books. What book is going to truly bring this topic to life in my yes. child's life? Yes. And it's so it's different than like a textbook or a 100%. book. Um, and I have even found some, there are some curriculum even that I've used with my older children. I know we're focusing on littles today, but where it is somewhat more of a workbook style, but still brings in that living book narrative alongside it mm -hmm. to, um, 
to keep to keep the learning alive, which is really the yeah. goal. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So, um, so I know you did not come from a teaching background. So you talked about learning of how you wanted to educate your children. Did you always know you wanted to teach your children this way? Or was there like a catalyst that you thought, oh my, this is a different way. And I think I love it. You know, um, it's, I think it just started like, as I was in the process, um, we decided to homeschool or, well, really we, we decided my son needs more structure when he was like two and a half, three was just struggling at home. Um, and so that's kind of how I got into just looking into what homeschooling looks like. Um, but the more I got into it, the more even just homeschooling in general, and this really specific time under the age of six, um, I just, I just thought this is their one precious childhood. It's so fleeting. Mm. And they have so many years after this, especially if they're going to be in academia and go on to university. Um, they have so much more time to learn in like a rigorous way. This is their only time in their whole life to just play, to not have mm-hmm. responsibilities, to not be forced and pressured into doing worksheets and learning their letters and colors and numbers and to be graded and like inspected on, you know, if they're like making the grade. Um, but just to be able to have that just freedom, um, and especially the time to just play and be children. Absolutely. And I would argue that the play is their most serious work. There's a quote by uh, Mr. Rogers that says something along the lines of play is the most serious work of a child. Um, and we talked a couple podcasts ago, we did one about learning through games and it was for games of all ages, not just little ones, but hearing from the um, guests on that podcast about um, some statistics about how much quicker Mm -hmm. children learn and people learn through play and Mm -hmm. through games rather than through, you know, structured learning activities and realizing Mm -hmm. that children are born innate learners, that they are born with a desire to learn that I never said to my baby, right now, like, Hey, Graham, it's time for you to start pulling up on stuff. Now, bud, we're going to start learning this. Like they just learn it. So Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is in our culture that Mm -hmm. makes us think that when it's time for other forms of learning, while of course he can pull up on things because we have couches and we have little gates that he can pull that are around. So he has those available to pull up from or pull up on. And I think similarly with our young children with learning, when we have the resources and we're reading good books and we're introducing letters in a fun way, and we're spending time outside and introducing habits intentionally, we're doing all those things on purpose, but it's not in a way of us saying, you need me to teach, to instill this skill in you right now, but instead respecting their personhood and knowing you are born with an ability to learn and excitement to learn. And it is my job to not extinguish that, but to fan that flame and further that love for learning, especially in the little years, Mm -hmm. you know, especially. Yeah. Yeah. So how would you say are ways that this looks different than maybe a traditional preschool idea? You know, I think it's interesting, the term traditional, because even Mm -hmm. if you look back at like the history of education, it really hasn't been that long that what we now Mm -hmm. in 2021 consider to be preschool um, has been a part of like, you know, our educational history. Even like my dad, when he went to school in the 60s, he 
didn't go to kindergarten, didn't go to any preschool. Um, and he actually went to like a one room schoolhouse through like middle school ages with like his siblings and the neighbors. And that was like, you know, only 50, 60 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, really not that long. Even when I was growing up, like I didn't do any, what we consider to be traditional preschool. Um, and I, I just think that there's some, somewhere along the lines, there's been all of a sudden this pressure to have our children be academically ready for kindergarten. And um, when kindergarten used to be the year of preparation to get them ready for, you know, first grade. Um, mm-hmm. So there's just been such a shift. And I want to, you know, for my children, push back and say, mm-hmm. no, like it doesn't have to be this early, like this much pressure. It can be this just really light and free time of playing. I think too, like, um, it's just a very different style of learning. Um, I remember when my son was maybe two or three, we were a part of like a toy lending library at a local elementary school. And they had all these decorations up in the halls, you know, little artwork and stuff the kids had worked on to get to the toy lending library. And there's a big poster where these preschool kids had done um, a lesson on the flowers, parts of the flower. And so it's a worksheet and they cut out all these squares and posted them of like how a flower grows. And I just think if you're a non-reader, like all that activity is for you is just scissors and pasting. Like it's just cutting and pasting. You're like, as an adult, you're looking at the activity and you're like, oh, this is so cool. And look at all that they're learning. Look at all that they display that they're learning. But as a child, especially as a (laughs) non-reader, like what really is there for you? I mean, so even that style of learning is so different than our style of learning where my kids are learning about parts of the flower or how a flower grows because they're outside and they're seeing, Oh, look at these sunflowers we planted with grandpa and look at them grow up into these beautiful flowers, you know, and they are experiencing that hands-on making those personal connections with the world around them, which is so different. I think if you look at even our, traditional preschool settings. And I like, I never want to like dog on like our, our school system because those people were so, so hard for our children. And I, I know that there is just a part of homeschooling that there is like a privilege piece to it. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you look at that, like when you have a classroom of 20 kids, you're just really limited, I think, in Mm -hmm. what you're able to do. And, and I think that that's why they have a lot more of these activities that are crafts and like cut, cutting and pasting. Um, but especially, like I said, especially for non-readers, like it just is a very different experience. I think of what they're actually learning. Mm-hmm. Um, so it does really differ from a traditional preschool setting. I think also one of the big differences is when you have, I, so I was a teacher for a mm-hmm. few years before I had my son and one of the things that I saw, I did a long-term mm-hmm. sub in a kindergarten class and loved it. And I also got to yeah. spend, um, when I was in high school, part of my homeschooling, my senior year was mm-hmm. me, um, doing observation hours and volunteering in a kindergarten classroom because I thought I mm-hmm. wanted to be a teacher. So my mom said, all right, let's get you in a classroom. And Same. it was wonderful. And one of the big kind of ahas for me that I took was realizing that if you're in a classroom setting, you have to show the learning somehow. There has to be a tangible way to show that something's being learned or a skill has been um, mastered in some way or another. You can't, it would be genuinely impossible 
for that teacher to watch every single child and make sure, okay, did you, did all of you understand when you saw that sunflower, what was going on with it? Did all of you, were each of you able to identify those parts verbally or through Mm -hmm. active play? Whereas when you have your own child at home with you and you're doing something about animals and let's say you're playing with a you know a Noah's ark and you have all of the animal pieces and you ask your child let's line them up from the smallest animal to the biggest animal and that will be so funny they can wait in line to get in the ark and you don't have to have a sheet to show that you're learning small medium and large or how to line things up by size names of the animals colors of animals none of that but it doesn't there's nothing to show for it And that was a real, um, yeah, just kind of an aha moment for me when I had my first. So my oldest is almost 12, which is unbelievable to me. Um, but when I think back to when I first started things with him and someone would ask, what are you learning? What is he doing right now? And realizing I had nothing to show except for what he had to show. And then thinking about that, truly what he has to show is much more valuable And that's going, that's real world. When you learn a skill in the real world, you don't actually often have anything tangible to show a paper that shows this is what I learned. But when you have learned a new skill, you have that skill in you and part of you. And that was a really different thing. And it also caused me to have to trust myself differently Mm -hmm. and rest in that because I realized I wasn't proving myself. Thank goodness my husband wasn't asking me to like prove myself every day, but I couldn't. I could not have proven myself every day by showing these are the things we did because much of what we did had no shown tangible project associated with it. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. That's a really good point. Another thing with that, that I realized is a lot of things that, that I would ask or expect to be done to have a product was actually, like you said, looking for different skills. So I realized I'm actually wanting you to transcribe. I'm wanting you to, or, or use a pencil and a pen or a crayon or whatever it is, use that correctly to show that you understand how to write this thing. Mm -hmm. And which is really asking multiple skills. I want to make sure you can hold a crayon. I want to make sure you can move the crayon in the appropriate shape. I want to make sure you know the shape to put it in and know what that shape means. Right. Where if my goal is truly just understanding the ideas of these letters, it doesn't require any of those other steps. Mm -hmm. And so just realizing sometimes what we're asking of our preschoolers is truly more than we think at first glance we're asking them to produce. Yes. So, um, okay. So that's what we're talking about. I think that's a good, a good foundation. Let's talk about why we think this is important because this is something I have been passionate about for years and I have just loved seeing your passion for this. So what are some of the benefits that you have already seen in gently teaching your children as you do? I mean, I think that even just having a lifestyle of learning in this way, Mm. I see one, so much less pressure on my children. They're not always expected to perform. They're not, um, feeling that like academic pressure, like my kids, they have zero concept of like, whether they are ahead or behind. And I think far too often kids, even at young ages, like three or four or five already know whether they are like in at the head of the class or like falling behind. And that's a hard burden to place on a child. So it's like not only less pressure and play, but I, I see so much benefit in just their imaginative, like their imaginative play and their imaginations. They have 
much more room in their day to pursue hobbies and interests. And for them at their ages, that includes like imaginative play. And I think, um, you know, there's been a lot of research that has been done about a child's imagination when they enter into kindergarten and um, how there's a shift that can sometimes happen where all of a sudden their imaginative play goes down so much more because they are asked to do like so much more academic rigor and um for my children like I really want to be protective of that and like let them like play dress up let them build Legos like let them Mm -hmm. have all this freedom um but I think also this style of learning at like a young preschool age helps them ease into the transition of like our our school when we get to be that age. So my, for my son who is, you know, going to be seven this year doing first grade, a lot of his curriculum is reading aloud. And we have had, you know, here five, six years to build the habit of attention in reading aloud together so that now at seven years old, he can sit and I can read, you know, 25 pages of a chapter. And our lessons are usually much shorter, but like he will let me read to him as long as, you know, he wants, as long, you know, as long as I will read. Um, and I think he has a much deeper retention because we have stretched that skill of, of attention, um, so that he can sustain his attention much longer, um, because we've practiced it so much. So this style of learning, I think, isn't just protecting this childhood, but I think it really is laying some foundational building blocks for an academic year. Um, so even with, you know, our habit training and, um, working on obedience, working on, um, even just chores around the house, well, that makes our homeschool world go so much more smoothly when I'm not having to spend all this time saying, pick up your breakfast dishes, get dressed in the morning, um, where it just is laying these foundations that we can then build upon for the rest of our academic homeschool life together. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I think, just in general, um, one of the huge benefits to this is my kids getting to spend time together. So there's, there is this relational benefit, um, where not only are they spending time with with me, um, and with each other that they would be missing out if they were in a traditional school setting, but like, they also get to spend time with grandparents, um, with some of our elderly neighbors, with, with other friends that are also homeschooled, but are, a mix of ages. It's not just, Hey, we're going to go into this building, you know, for four to eight hours a day. And you're going to sit here with all these kids, your own age, and you're all going to do the same lesson. And it's all going to be great. Essentially, you know, um, where there is this piece of togetherness that is really important. Um, and it was really one of the things that attracted me most, um, you know, it's protecting your childhood, but then also this being together, um, and just having this, you know, time time really. Um, but yeah, I see one of the main things <clears throat> that I think is a benefit that also has like this lasting result is, um, they are set up to be, I think, active and true learners. I think that, mm. um, we're not squelching that learning that natural curiosity that you talked about out of them by saying you have to do it like this in this little box. Um, <clears throat> but they have, this whole world open to them where they can pursue their curiosity, you know, for the first six years of their life. Oh, you're really interested in dinosaurs. Great. Let's learn all you want, all you want about dinosaurs. Um, 
all you want about X, Y, and Z. You know, you caught a cricket the other day. Great. We're going to like learn all about crickets and the differences between crickets and grasshoppers. And you're going to have your curiosity is just ignited. And I think that is the lasting piece of what makes a true learner. And that hopefully, like it's my hope that that love of learning and that natural curiosity will carry them throughout all of their life, even past the traditional, you know, 18 years um, or 25 years of, of schooling and higher education. Yeah. I think that's huge. What you talked about, about creating lifelong learners, because mm-hmm. we're growing up in such a unique time or our children are growing up in such a unique time that they have every resource mm-hmm. available to them to learn. And absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. The information is there. So anything they want to learn, they're able to, but if that will only happen well if they have a love for learning and the ability to know how to learn. And so I think by setting them up at this early age with the skills they need to be able to go through their days well, you talked about setting it up for their school days, but talk about creating them, preparing them for life. Goodness gracious. I think about even when I was in college and thinking about living with different people and there were some people then who didn't have some of those skills who I watched and thought, oh dear me. How did you miss this? How over the last, you know, 18, first 18 years of your life, were those skills not instilled? Mm -hmm. Do you not know how to do laundry? Yeah. It's like, yes. And that is, that is, um, more common than you would think. You know, my husband works in the university setting and there are tons of kids that enter into school, but it's because so much of their life prior to adulthood launching into, you know, this collegiate adulthood season has been school where you're mm-hmm. not learning any of those skills. And then I think also a lot of families fill that extra time with sports and extracurriculars and dance and all these other things that, um, you know, you kind of squeeze out that time where maybe you would be learning a lot of those life skills, how to cook, how to do laundry, how to, you know, do your dishes and things that are, are really setting them up for life. And so we always are, are hoping like starting with the end goal in mind. So even at preschool thinking, what kind of adults am I trying to raise mm-hmm. and how can I equip them even now at three, four and five, you know, to become the people that we really hope that they will be. Um, so you're right. It's a lot of skill building for now, but also for the future. Yes. And one of the things with you mentioning, uh, you mentioned like extracurriculars and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, you know, every family is going to decide differently what they want to do, but it's interesting coming off this last, you know, forever of COVID. I don't even know how long we're calling it now, whatever it was um, coming off of this long time though, for us in Southern California, it was very different because Mm -hmm. things were very closed down. And so we were at home a lot and it was really wonderful that it caused me to go back and really reevaluate where do I want our time spent? Because again, creative play takes space. It takes um, messes. It's not always mm-hmm. clean. Um, my children all pretend together. And from the 12 year old all the way down to the, two, I mean, the baby doesn't, but from the one who's almost 12, all the way one to the down, down to the one who's almost three. Um, I heard her go outside one day, the three-year-old and the big kids were already out there. And she, and she yelled, wait for me. Are we playing lost kids? And this is, this is it. This is important. And my oldest just finished building during some of his free time. He built this incredible structure. I'll share it on my Instagram this week. It's the coolest thing that he built. Um, 
like an A-frame thing with a climbing wall on one side and a steering wheel on the other side. And so the girls can go in it and it can be a hideout for them. And, but it took time and it took the willingness for it to be messy because it's taken a lot of time to give him those skills to even do that. And the fact that something could go wrong and, you know, someone, he could get hurt. There's always, you know, risk involved. You do everything to the best you can. But, um, just to say, we are getting ready to jump back in. So deciding intentionally, we had football practices this morning and that was exciting to get back into that space. But, and we will choose to do gymnastics with a couple of our girls for a time, Mm -hmm. but choosing with great intentionality, how much time and money is worth putting into this space because saying yes to those things does mean saying no to the different time we had at home over this last year. And I think that those places serve parts of who they are very well. So I think there's a healthy yes in the, in the right yeses, but it's also being intentional and willing to be different than the rest of the world by saying no to losing home and the benefits of that time and space. Yeah. And we've kind of made a hard and fast rule in our home. Um, You know, as we're protecting this like growing time for our children, Mm -hmm when they're under the ages of six, like we also are protecting, like where we just won't do individual extracurriculars, Mm -hmm. you know, so if all three of my kids can be in an activity, we'll do that together. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think too, like my husband and I, we love, like, you know, he's, he's like a sports guy. I was like a music person. Like we have seen a lot of value Mm -hmm. in those things in our life, but at the young ages that my kids are, you know, we're like soccer when you're three or four, it's really just kids running out in a field and we're like, why would we, you know, spend our precious family time in this, you know, like they're only three for one year and it just goes by so fast. Um, just sitting and watching our our kids run around. Like we just don't see the value at this age. Mm -hmm. Um, when we, we see so much more value in them playing together you know it's like if you want to run around in the backyard great you know you guys can go and play like Robin Hood Mm -hmm. um to me that is more valuable in this season so we we are of course like when 2020 everything is closed down now this school year everything feels like whoa even one or two activities on the calendar feels full (laughs) yeah um we are pursuing a lot of activities that we can do as a family Mm -hmm. and as my kids grow you know by the time I I oldest is 12. I wouldn't be surprised if we had a really similar structure, but for this preschool age, I think we weigh the pros and cons and Mm -hmm. we, we just, you know, don't see the cost of reaping a benefit for our kids being in in a a ton of extracurricular activities, especially ones that are just individual. Absolutely. Absolutely. That makes complete sense. I agree hundred percent. Um, and if that whole idea of jumping back into the world and thinking through that, um, resonates with anyone, we did a podcast episode a long time ago about, um, a beautiful new normal and yes. how we get to choose a beautiful new normal intentionally for our family. So if that resonates, I with that you, one. it was excellent. Yes. I, I was actually just thinking, I need to go back and listen to what my other friends talked about on that episode to encourage me as I'm moving into this next yes. season. Um, Okay. Let's talk about some um, specifics here. How can someone put this into practice? What are some actual steps that a mom can take to try to bring this different way of learning into her home? Yeah, that's a great question. I would say um, for me personally, I would start with just chucking out worksheets, like anything that is like 
requires more preparation for for the mom than it does for the learner like then it's actually on you as the teacher who's doing the work mm-hmm. and we want you know to always pursue activities that it the the work of the learning is on the learner and not on the teacher and so mm-hmm. like I kind of have a hard and fast rule where we just don't do worksheets for my kids um, you know under the ages of five and six, because I don't see the benefit in a lot of those things. And we also um, are intentional with our play. So for my my girl who is going to be in preschool this year, she's four and a half. She'll be turning five in the school year. Um, I have set out a couple of days a week where I'll do like a math-based activity with her and like a language arts-based activity. And I kind of write it out or schedule it out. Otherwise, it doesn't happen as much. But right. that can look like hey, today we're going to work on patterns. And so why don't we make like a beaded necklace together? We can talk about that. You know, why don't we play with these pattern blocks and we can talk about symmetry as we are, you know, just making shapes and colors into pictures. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, why don't we, like one of the things my kids love to do when we're walking back from the park in our neighborhood is to count together. And so we work on counting by memory um, where I'll say one and then my, other one will say two and we'll go back and forth. And then we work on skip counting and working counting by fives, you know, just, they like to count how many steps it takes to get back to our house and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and to see how high they can count. And so with my oldest, by the time he was about five and a half or, you know, he could count up to a thousand just by his memory, because that's about how many steps it takes to get up (laughs) to our house from the park. Um, so it is, it is a different style. Um, but it, it's seeking opportunities to incorporate learning in what you're already doing. Um, you know, so even with letters, like each of my kids have their own like letter box and I'll say when my kids are in that preschool age, Hey, do you want to find, can you find the letter that your name starts with? And so then they look, okay, well, what letter comes in your name next? Or, you know, my middle one, she's very interested in like spelling her name, spelling names of our family members. Um, and we've learned probably half the alphabet just by like, following her curiosity Mm -hmm. and equipping her with, um, things that she already wants to do. Uh, I think I want to jump in real quick. One thing you said that I want to jump in on there is you said following her curiosity. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to encourage moms in that some, one of the things that I think is different about our preschool system, just in general in America is that it's based on preparing them for the starting kindergarten or kindergarten is for preparing them for the next level in first grade. Mm -hmm. And if you are in a traditional school, you do need to have those skills to get to that next level because that's where the class is picking up and moving Mm -hmm. forward from. So if a child is in a traditional classroom, they do need to be at that place. But if your child is at home with you, one of the things that is different is that you can follow their lead more and, um, If you have a child who's passionate about letters, I have a cousin whose little one was just thrilled with letters and was able to understand more about letters and reading like years before where my children were because he loved it. And so she followed his lead and she let him run with that. And it was beautiful to see because if he was in a traditional setting, there would have had to be like, well, that's great. Glad you know this. We're still camping here because this is where everyone is. Um, can they spend so much time in a traditional school setting working on, do they know how to line up? Can mm-hmm. they zip up their jacket themselves? Can they be quiet when the teacher raises their hand and things that make their classroom function more efficiently? Yes. And so and they're those necessary. Things, 
yes, it's so necessary for the classroom and those things we don't have to work on. So we spend that time, mm-hmm. how can our home one more smoothly? And so that's, mm-hmm. you know, putting your dishes away, throwing your clothes down the hatch, you know, um, wiping off the counter if you spill mm-hmm. a mess and all those kinds of things that are, it's just a different type of lifestyle really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what, what resources would re- you recommend? I think my first, my first thought would be is they need to follow you on Instagram um, because you have so many resources available there. And if you missed it at the beginning, her Instagram is at little house underscore Northwoods. Um, and I will link that in the show notes too, but you need to follow her because she has excellent resources on her Instagram of exactly some of the things she does and how you can implement them. Um, but if you were to recommend a few resources here, I know you already mentioned Ambleside online is an excellent yes. resource. Yeah. Great. Other- especially for those younger years for the book list. Mm-hmm. What other resources would you recommend? You know, um, the simply Charlotte Mason has a book called the early years, and that was really foundational to my understanding and learning. Um, I would highly, highly recommend that book. I think you can buy like just a digital copy. That's pretty inexpensive. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as like, even one thing that I've, I think is core to our preschool time is having good outdoor gear. You know, that's something I never thought about when I was going into motherhood, but if we're spending time outside, I feel like my kids really need to have warm, especially Minnesota gear. That's going to, um, that's going to allow for us to have that time outside. Mm-hmm. Um, you're right. Ambleside Online's book list. There are tons and tons of book lists out there. Um, and you're right too. On my Instagram, I do have a, a bunch of highlights about preschool and kind of more like like links and fleshing out just kind of these ideas of what does it mean to have a training, what does it mean um, to to um, have a living book, that sort of thing. Um, but I also have one, and we'll be sharing more this year as we do preschool again um, about seeing preschool in action. So seeing some of these play by the way, you know, where we're playing tic-tac-toe with letters, you know, and where we're just doing like one of my kids' favorite activities is writing letters with sidewalk chalk and then pouring a watering can on it, you know, things like that, where you can see it in action. Because I do feel like conceptually, it's sometimes hard to get your brain around what does this actually look like? Um, But yeah, there's so many good like resources out there. I feel really lucky to be homeschooling in this day and age to be doing preschool in this day and age because I I don't think I would know half these things if there wasn't people you know like you who are putting out great resources and podcasts and things yeah I think about the early years when um my mom was homeschooling us and what a different world it was that she didn't have the Mm -hmm. same resources we do and um in some ways maybe it was nicer because she didn't have Pinterest (laughs) and she didn't have the Instagram moms who showed all the perfect things they were doing and she was able to just be at rest in her home with the way she did it And I was just looking back in my audible real quick to remind myself of a couple of books that I read that I think helped form this in me. Mm -hmm. And um, one I was thinking about is the book for the children's sake by Susan Schaefer um, McCauley. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I will link that also. And then another one, and that one's excellent. The audio is good too. If you want to listen to it, I have a hard time easier to listen to. I feel like, yeah, I have a hard time finding time to read all the books I want to read, Mm -hmm. but I can listen. Yes. I just saw your reel about like finding time to read as a mom the other day. And I get it. Another one talking about steering away from that rigorous mindset of thinking you have Mm -hmm. to do everything deeply and intensely at an early age. That's so good is teaching from rest by Sarah McKenzie. Yeah. And and every year. 
It's so good. So good to give you a fresh start and a fresh mindset. And I'm also reading right now, Awaking Wonder by Sally Clarkson. Mm, that's and I highly recommend oh, so many good books. Highly yeah. recommend that one. And these are all good as audible books. If you're thinking I have time for that, but not time to read. And I think mm-hmm. that those things will surprisingly shape you because it's really shaping your mindset more than it is giving you tangible tools mm-hmm. or yes. a product in your hand. It's not so much about what you buy to mm-hmm. use. It's the way that you choose to go about the learning. That's going to be very different. Yeah. Yes. Um, Katie, this was so much fun. Thank you so much. And I look forward to following yes. along with your next year of preschool this year. Yes. Thank, Thank you, you so, so much. much for having me. This is wonderful. Excellent. Well, we'll keep in touch. It was good having you. Thanks a lot. Yeah, bye. What an encouragement Katie was. That was so much fun to talk with her about something that is so important. Those beautiful, early formative years of our children's lives and what a privilege we have to be their moms and walk through those years with them. If you could use a little bit more encouragement, feeling like maybe you're not capable of homeschooling, maybe you don't have it in you, I want to point you back to an episode that we did a while ago. Episode 31 was called Yes, You Can Homeschool. And I would encourage you to listen to that. Um, It's with one very seasoned homeschool mom who would have said no, she could never homeschool and then did. And with another mom um, who's actually the mom of an only child. And so she has a different take on it than the mom of all of the children does. And she works for CHIA, which is the um, Christian Home Educators Association of California. So she has some different interesting perspectives to bring to the conversation as well. We also talk more about homeschooling. Back on episode three, we revisited that conversation on January 4th. So if you're scrolling through podcasts, you'll find it on January 4th. It was episode three about homeschooling. And that one could encourage you. And if you're really wondering about reading aloud specifically, we talked quite a bit about read alouds today. We did a whole conversation on that back um, on episode 12 about reading aloud. And I know that you would enjoy that one too. So I want to encourage you that God is so faithful. And I think about that word, that, that scripture that says, God is able to make all grace abound in you so that in all things, in all times, in all that you do, you will abound in every good work. You got this mama. Keep leaning into him. He will equip you and guide you how you are going to be leading your children during this beautiful season of early learning. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss any of our weekly conversations. And check out our show notes below where I have links to the resources mentioned on the podcast. I release a new podcast every Monday and additional content at seekholyliving.com, including a video of this conversation and a deeper dive into all things mom. Also, be sure to follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Seek Holy Living for more fun and conversation. If this was an encouragement to you, please share it with your friends. And join us next week as we talk about living debt-free.